Hello and welcome back to Hello in the Fire. Hello. Hello. Thanks for the welcome. <laughs> yeah, welcome. 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 <laughs> um, today we're continuing Nehemiah. Um, yes, yes. Yeah. How are you doing this also, morning? I'm, we're also we're uh, joined happy... by the traditional people, but yeah, sorry. Correction <laughs> uh, Sunday, that's when oh. this will pop up on uh, to go and get streaming. So big weekend. That is true. We do not have an Easter episode this year because we're still in Nehemiah, but we'll we'll work some we'll work some we'll work some Easter in here. Oh, I'm sure that's oh, that's yeah, inevitable. No about it. Oh yes. Then we can we can refer you guys to previous Easter episodes. Yes. Um, we have a couple. I believe we were we doing a series on the miracles of Jesus last year, and I feel like we covered. In his biggest miracle yet, <laughs> around Easter time, and then I believe we did an Easter episode the year before as well. I think we did. Yes, we. Yeah, we've had a we've had a couple of them at this point. Um, so that would be looks like episode sixty for last year, and the very first Easter episode was back episode two. So yeah, wow, yeah, twenty-two and sixty. Good ones to listen to. We've been going for a while here, guys. Yeah. I can give the the J guarantee that at some point in this episode, we can make sure to, you know, death and resurrection. Oh, I can give you the the T guarantee. (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) I already have it worked out. But if you want to just throw it in there, we can go. Um, the guarantee. The guarantee. <laughs> Indeed. Um, yeah. How are you guys doing this this after this fine Saturday afternoon? How are we doing? Good. Good weather. I'm happy. Happy to be here. Not not great weather in in North Carolina currently, <laughs> but I'm still doing well. That's not stopping me from having a good to get even better with a fire all right yeah maybe the the fire can uh heat up some of that rain make it turn it into steam dry it off oh that would be nice yeah mm-hmm. yeah That'd gaseous nice. rain <laughs> <laughs> we call that fog um but anyways this week nehemiah 2 we're gonna have our homie nehemiah He's going to go to Judah and inspect the walls. That's kind of mm-hmm. where we're going here. But um, something that I think we should keep in mind as we go through, like coming from Ezra and going into Nehemiah and just kind of, see, kind of, kind of try, trying to see the overarching cycles of the stories here in these books. Um, there's, it's, it's, this cool, it's this cool thing. I think there's a, an eschatological tension that is presented in both Ezra and Nehemiah of anticipating the future hope of Israel and then also, but not quite having that realized in anything that the people are doing. Um, and this is kind of seen through the many cycles of these books. Uh, the first, or I guess it's like all of them are, are kind of um, set up in the same structure of, king says go to jerusalem with people and and then they go and then they're 
when they get there, they're met with opposition. And then from that opposition, they, they push past it. They oppose them and, and the, like the people seeking God kind of win. And then it usually ends in like this anti-climax of the people who have come from the exile back to Jerusalem, send other people away. Um, and the tension that is that is present, which I think we've we've all felt as going going through these these two books or going through Ezra, but we, at least I hasn't haven't necessarily been able to to pin down is um, that sending away of people, the turning away of other people, is not quite in line with um, really the call the Christian call of being with neighbors, but even like the the call of Jerusalem to be a light to all nations and where all people, tongues, tribes will come together and, and worship God as one. Um, it's, it's a setting up of a Jerusalem as separate and other, which most definitely needs to happen, but to a point of sending people away and, and not necessarily being a light to all nations, but them being a light to themselves. Hmm. And so just kind of keep that in mind as we go into this, what do you guys what do you guys think of that cycle? That's a really cool point. Um, we touched on some of it last week, talking about that little divorce. Um, and uh, the last couple of weeks talked about that and how kind of all of that points to necessitating the need for Jesus to come. And Thomas, you talked about that. I hadn't really thought about that, like the way you put it there, but I think that that sums up pretty well, I think, the, the tension that I think it's fair three of us have felt and probably others have felt um, as we've talked through and read through this and almost to the point where it leaves you wanting more um, and everything and pointing towards what that more is. Um, but yeah, that's a good way to put it. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I won't have too much to add to that because I agree with both of what you guys said. But um, what do you think of like the the New Jerusalem that is mentioned in the Bible? Like that's um, like kind of a, a in the heavenly realm, I guess, or what? Like uh, um, yeah, or just yeah, I guess I guess just um, when that's referred to is talked about like kind of a a, a Jerusalem of Perfect one and one does have its. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, it's correct. Yeah, this doesn't sound right, but that has its gates open and um, it's like available for all, not just the kingdom of Israel. Um, and so there's sort of this tension where, yeah, like like you mentioned throughout these books, it's like, well, do we, um, like, how do we include these other ethnicities and um, into our city? Like, should there be walls or not? And uh, obviously, Nehemiah mentions a lot about so. Yeah, there's this, there's this push and pull between that um, throughout the um, yeah throughout these books and um, yeah, there's that I think that is sort of the, the anti climax that we get here, just where we see some of this confusion or these big questions that we've been asking and trying to answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go, and I guess a little bit of review. Um, but it was first the, the two cycles before this were Zerubbabel, 
which means planted in Babylon, which is interesting. I don't know if I think we probably mentioned that, but I'd like to bring it up again. And then we have Ezra. Um, and with Zerubbabel, it was like, oh, great, we're finally coming back. The tribes are going to be united. And then he sends the remnant that were there away, which, to be fair, they had turned away from God. But it's like, oh, I guess they're not going to be united. And then Ezra has the, the divorce decree, which Justin brought up. And it's like, ah, divorce is not right <laughs> or, or like seen as a good thing from God. But um, I think something, another important thing to note is, which I will also, I, can, I was going to make later, but also note here, is we, we start to see um, a shift towards like faithful people trying to be faithful and not necessarily knowing and, and it's not necessarily God telling them what to be faithful looks like. Um, it's like they've had their examples. They've had the things. And now it's like repent, turn to God, and then be faithful in repentance kind of way. And so I think you see maybe maybe mistake isn't the right word, but I guess not necessarily the best course of actions from some people. Um, but like the divorce decree was not a commandment from God. To do but it was it was israel seeking to be faithful to the commandments mm-hmm. of god mm-hmm. um which is something to be like celebrate be happy about because like i mean there's so many examples at least in my life of like where i do things that may not have been the right great greatest course of action but i was at least seeking god in doing that and it's yeah you got to own up to to what you do wrong and etc but that brings us to nehemiah and chapter two flows quite well from the end of chapter one um so do do either of you want to like review kind of what we were seeing in chapter one that kind of leads us here where we are today uh some of the highlights mostly a prayer and he has a grieving how about that grieving state of Jerusalem right now and specifically the state of its outer walls and its security um, that was I mean where we're at contextually I think that's it um, he certainly has it on his heart though to make his way over there and he has asked God um to allow him the opportunity, I think is where we left off. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Then Peter, do you want to read Nehemiah 2, 1 through 8? I will be happy to. All right. This is the word of the Lord, Nehemiah 2. Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad, when this city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, What are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, the graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, How long will you be gone, and when will you return? 
So it pleased the king to send me to send me when I had given him a time. And I said to the king, if it please, let letters be given to me to the governors of the province beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's fort. Give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. Thank you. You're welcome. What are what are some things that you guys are seeing here? In verses one through eight. I like the relationship that we see here between the king and Nehemiah. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that's what stands out the most to me through these first eight verses. I think there's uh, like it's a va- very valuable and honorable position being the cupbearer to the king. I feel like there's a lot of trust there when uh, as, as cupbearer, you're the one like inspecting the wine and, and probably choosing the wine and food as well to give to the king and make sure that it's not poisoned. And you have probably dedicated one-on-one time with the king to talk with him, get to know him. And there seems to be this level of trust between them. Um, I'm sure Nehemiah, he seems to be a, a good cupbearer and the king um, uh, sympathizes with him when at him why he's sad. The king doesn't get mad when he sees that uh, Nehemiah is sad. And then also Nehemiah in turn is, is very honest. And I think that's very honest about why he's sad. Uh, and he has at the same time respect towards the king and um, saying, let the king live forever before going on and um, telling him why he's sad, which may potentially rub the king the wrong way. Like, I feel like it's a risk to be that honest about um, uh, your city, like Jerusalem being, um, being in such the state that it is currently. Um, and the king who rules over Jerusalem may not necessarily like that, but here neither one take anything personally. And I think that's um, just a sign of trust and, and yeah, the strong relationship that the ties and, and ties that the king and Nehemiah built together, um, probably with, uh, or probably because of the king's uh, accommodations or just sympathy towards the Israelites. Uh, we've seen him do other things with Ezra and, and grant Ezra certain provisions and, and safety, and also the humility and um, certain. Mm-hmm. that creates this relationship between them absolutely I like yeah. that idea of servanthood yeah I think that's a big takeaway here Peter I think from these verses that you read um, uh, I, I think we get a pretty good example of, we, we've talked about in this podcast before the idea of um like being a strange, strange land. And uh, actually we have a whole, have a whole episode, episode 37 devoted to it. I had to look that one up real quick. Um, And I think here we get a a perfect example of what that looks like because Paul talks about it in that episode, back episode 37, we go through first Peter where Peter talks about it. Um, And the whole idea there is that, we Christians are called to be a part of the kingdom of God, but at the same time, we exist in this worldly realm. 
and this was very true at this point for someone like Nehemiah, who is very set apart in the kingdom of God, God's kingdom, God's people, but literally lived in a different land. He was a foreigner in a different land in Babylon, now Persia, I guess. Um, and I don't see any way that this happens where Nehemiah can be this honest with the king and the king what he wants if Nehemiah had not built up this goodwill with him. And I, I think we get the same thing probably with Ezra, Zerubbabel, um, Daniel, if you look at other people in the Bible, Esther, um, Mm-hmm. people who were literally foreigners in a foreign land but followed god and the way that they worked to fulfill god's plans was that they built up this goodwill by out of just by being good people trustworthy people honest people um and by doing that in the world you know they created this atmosphere where those around them in turn trusted them and then we see god's plans fulfilled through that relationship so I think it's a good lesson for us, you know, as we live our lives here for this foreign land, the world is watching us. At this point, the world was certainly, uh, people in Babylon were watching these Jewish people. They were watching Nehemiah, waiting for any mess up that they might have probably, because if the goal originally was to eradicate these people, then I'm sure they would bring him into Babylon. And as soon as they messed up, say, okay, now let's kill him. And here we see an example of someone who lives his life in an honest and trustworthy and godly way. And just by doing that, he builds up his goodwill with the king's court around him. And then it's what he wants. Nehemiah gets what he wants and what God wants in the end because of that relationship that he had built. Um, so it's a really good lesson for us to live like this, to live in a way where these requests might be granted to us. It's a big request that he makes of a king here um, but he gets it i think it has to be because he's so so for us we want to act in that way we want to show the fruits of the spirit out so people they trust us um that's the goal that's how you reach people mm-hmm. absolutely um i really like that connection uh, along with like faithfulness Faithfulness to God also comes along with faithfulness to our neighbors and the people around us. Um, and so, like, doing your job well and, like, pouring yourself into the people around you at your work sure. is just as important as, like, going to church or, like, reading your Bible or, like, praying or, like, repentance, all of that. Like, it's all the same. Like, um, first Corinthians and everything that you do, do for the glory of God, like living itself is an act of our faith and living in the way that God calls us to live and, and care for the people around us. Like that's, it's all the same level. And I think that, that this, that like Esther, Ezra, Zerubbabel and Nehemiah are all great examples of that. Like they were, they were all like very devoted people, not just to God, but also to the to their community and the people around them. And the, yes, they were placed in, in specific places to be able to do things like this, like approach kings um, and people in power, but they weren't the people in power. They approached the people in power. Mm-hmm. Um, and God used that to, you know, 
to save Israel and to and to send leaders to guide them. Um, and I think like that's it's a really beautiful thing that we're able to do, and it's it brings meaning to even the most mundane interactions with people in our lives as well. Yeah, which is really cool. Well said. But yeah, I think I honestly think like um like the that's a very like a sub theme of like both of these books, but I think especially here in chapter two of like just being devoted to God and how being devoted to God also allows you to be devoted to the people around you, which allowed Nehemiah to build trust to ask the King, like I'm the person who, who gets poisoned instead of you King. Do you mind if I leave (laughs) and then go build some walls and come back? Um, like that's a big request. He probably also has like a, a backup cupbearer that he can use. <laughs> <laughs> I would assume. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah no, like that's a, that's probably a big thing. Like Nehemiah is probably the king's most trustworthy person he can talk to, other than his queen. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah. I think somebody can seriously make that argument. Um. But yeah, we see we see God working here, just like He's He work He works in Esther, which you know comes after this book. But we set that aside. Um, and I think Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther are all great. Even Job are all great examples of that God has not abandoned His people, but maybe, but there, there's a higher emphasis on like a person's devotion to to God and like. It, it being more of a heart change and a heart position than like a legal thing, but like we see in Joshua of conquering the Holy Land, um, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you guys think of that? Yeah, I think we see that. I mean, God is able to accomplish so much through Nehemiah's um, devotion to God first and foremost, and, and through that to people and to the King. Um, I, in verse four, when um, the king asks the request, he says, then the king said to, to Nehemiah, what are you requesting? And so the first thing Nehemiah does is I pray to the says, I pray to the God of heaven. And then I said to the king. And so I think that's sets the straight there. And um, I think, I, or yeah, I wanted to pull up this um, commentary I found that says, Nehemiah immediately prayed to the God of heaven that he would give him wisdom to ask properly and incline the king's heart to grant him his request. Those that would find favor with kings must secure the favor of the king of kings. He prayed to the God of heaven as infinitely above even this mighty monarch. Um, and he lifted up his heart to that God who understands the language of his heart. Lord, give me a mouth and wisdom. Lord, give me favor in the sight of this man. And I think that's just seeing the posture of Nehemiah's heart. He wants to um, like serve God and obviously through through his devotion to God he's able to build this relationship through through love and through sacrifice with the king and that leads to in verse six or the king saying or Nehemiah saying so it pleased the king to send me so it pleased the king to um to send Nehemiah even though he may be his most trusted in, in his land and um, that's just a testament to the 
yeah, just the strong relationships that can be built in, in, in putting God first and, and serving others and praying that God would work through that. Mm-hmm. And that he would come back and the king believes that he's, he would come back because he trusts him. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And I think it's worth noting that the king believes this. I think verses six to seven are cool. The king believes this because Nehemiah had planned this out. And I'm sure undoubtedly um, that's not due to any lack of help from God. God was instrumental in helping him plan this. But I think Nehemiah as an individual as another reason is a great example for us to follow is that as a leader, as someone who's carrying out God's will, he does so with, it seems a very specific purpose. Um, the king asks him in response to Nehemiah asking to go, the king asks, how long will you be gone and when will you return? A normal question asked, probably something the king would want to know. Nehemiah um, has an answer for him mm-hmm. pretty quickly here. Um, and so verse six says, immediately it pleases him and I sent I set him a time. Um, so Nehemiah has this ready to go. He knows what he's doing. He has a purpose with it. Uh, he knows what he's going to need to tell the king in order to go. And I think it's probably due to this prayer, this conversation that he's had with God. Um, and due to his relationship, knowing the king so well, he knows what he's going to need. He makes sure he has everything in order that needs to be in order in order to take off and accomplish the plan that God has put on his heart. So he's prepared. His prayer is... Uh, off the charts yeah i think i think another good point is that you brought up he does it all through prayer um as well which is like i think i mean you gotta pray (laughs) you know (laughs) um bringing our petitions to god and at the end of his prayer he says oh lord let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and Sorry, the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. And I mean, obviously, he's probably talking about the king there. Um, and like he, he probably heard the news was sad. And this is probably the, one of the, the, the meals close to the news that he heard in chapter one. Um, but he, he definitely he prays to the Lord, and like and then when right before he asks the king, he prays to the Lord again. Um, pray without ceasing. It's a good example of that. Mm-hmm. But I think, like when we are in these positions and when we are called and when we act in devotion to God and by our own convictions, um, we must always do it through prayer. And I think this is a great example mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. And I love how verse eight, um, the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God. That's just a nice little mm-hmm. uh, sentence or phrase. <laughs> yeah. So, God is all over this book and all yeah. over all these books, but he doesn't explicitly talk. He is explicitly mentioned all the time. Which <laughs> 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 is de- different than Esther, but... Mm-hmm. Yes, it's cool. Um, anybody have any last thoughts on verses one through eight? 
here um the actually one one neat thing i noticed is that it says verse two or yeah chapter two starts with in the month of nisan in the 20th year of king artaxerxes then you go back to chapter one it says uh now it happened in the month of chislev in the 20th year as i was in Susa the citadel so going off the praying thing he doesn't immediately bring up to the king the um his sadness and why he um, wants to go and go back to Jerusalem to help rebuild the city. But I think um, he just sits in prayer and is, is waiting for the right time to do it. And um, obviously most, much of chapter one is a prayer and then prayers, as we've mentioned too, as well. And that just, yeah, harkens back to Thomas, what you were mentioning, the importance of, of praying when we are devoted and, and serving God. And I think this is just more evidence of that. Yeah, like his prayer and preparation. He puts in the time that he needs to. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Jay? Yes. Do you have any final thoughts? Uh, that was a good note, Peter, there. I think it's setting up that Nehemiah is a very wise person. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I agree. Um, all right. Well, then you get to read verses 9 through 20. All right. My favorite. Uh, starting at verse 9. Then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen. When Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. So I came to them and was there three days. Then I arose in the night, and I and a few men with me. I told what my God had put on my heart to do at Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me, except the one on which I rode. And then I went by night through the valley gate, serpent wall, and the refuse gate, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and its gates, which were burned with fire. Then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up in the, in the night by the valley and viewed the wall. Then I turned back and entered the valley gate and so returned. And the official did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the others who did the work. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come to the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them, of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up. Then they set their hands to this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and the Geshem the Arab heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us, and said, what is this thing rebel against the king? So I answered them and said to them, heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build but you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we have now the second stage of the cycle. <laughs> yeah. They have met opposition. <laughs> um, yeah, what, do you guys, to... <laughs> what do you guys see in here in 9 through 20? Man, I think Nehemiah just said it verses one through eight uh, as a teaser i think he's just a really wise person um i 
I don't know whether it's like a privilege of leadership or just pure wisdom, but like he goes to Jerusalem and does not really tell anyone else what he's doing at a certain point, but he goes and carries it out. And that's kind of a interesting takeaway. You know, there are some things in life that I think we do where maybe the situation doesn't call for us making it publicly known what's going on quite yet until the time is right to do so. Um, even when it's a really positive thing that we're doing. And that's what he has to be doing here. Um, he goes with all these people and he kind of goes to view the gates secretly. The exact reason for keeping that a secret, I don't know, but obviously he does. Um, and I, I think it's just an interesting thing that he's doing here. And then he does reveal to them some of this stuff and some of the plans here. And then they start working on it. Um, so I think it's a timing thing. And there must be a line where God told him or he just felt in his heart and in his mind, I should hold this, keep, keep my cards close to the chest for a little bit here. And the time will come to. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think you're, I think you're right on. I think he's very wise in not um, revealing exactly of what like he's doing, like when he got there to the people, but like much with how he approached this issue with the King, he approached this issue with, the walls he got to jerusalem he yeah. saw the walls he see he saw where they were at he saw what they would need to do and then he brought it to the people um much with the king he heard what happened to jerusalem he planned out what he was going to do and how he was going to act and then he petitioned to the king and yeah. all of this is done in prayer which i think is is really cool and important yeah. imagine um, showed up with some incomplete plan uh, the king would have said, no, I need you here. Or That's if you true. went here and some incomplete plans, like, what do you mean? We're not going to rebuild these walls like that. He has a plan. He does. Ha he's a, he is a man with a plan. Nehemiah. Yes, he is. A man with a plan. <laughs> mm -hmm. Peter, you got anything? He's back now. He's no, bouncing in and out. Is he, is he back? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I apologize. Um, You're good. I, don't think I missed that much, but um, want me to say something? Yeah, anything that you noticed in verses nine to twenty? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I heard most of what you guys said, and the big question I wrote, wrote it a couple of times in my Bible when I was reading this was why does he <laughs> why does he wait uh, a few days or three days to? Um, to tell or to um yeah to tell the israelites that the hand of my god has been upon me for good and also of the words that the king had spoken to me why 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 did he wait that's maybe the question i had and i think you guys answered that well i think it speaks to the wise leadership of i think you know he's he's from he's not Muslim, he's from persia and if you just show up with king's guards and from the king and from the people with, with being the Israelites and just show up, maybe no, um, he just shows up for being absent there and it's like, hey, let's rebuild this. Might not be as huge if he just up and 
for doing this. So I think it's it's an, he wants to to for the pulse on observe the world, see what they're at. maybe of Israelites and see also see maybe how Sanballat and to, Tobiah who are in opposition of him how how to best handle them. Um, I am pulling up another another commentary from from Matthew Henry. He he noted three things that I I thought were interesting in answering this question. One is uh, good work is likely to be well done when it is first well considered. Mm. Two, it is the wisdom of those who are engaged in public business as much as may be to see with their own eyes and not to proceed altogether upon the reports and representatives representations of others. This without noise. Observed. And three, those that would build up the church's walls must first take notice of the ruins of those walls. Those that would know how to amend must inquire what is amiss, what needs reformation, and what may serve as it is. Um, so I think that's just further uh, further explanation into Nehemiah's actions and just kind of humbly and, and in a well-prepared manner, gaining the trust and being as good of a leader as he can so that he can accomplish the purpose of rebuilding the walls. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely. I think that's done very well. Um, I think something like hearkening back to the cycle that I brought up at the beginning of this episode, um, verse 20. And then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper and his servants will arise and build but you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. Um, and it, it kind of goes back to the, the anticlimax. And this isn't the true anticlimax of this section, um, but it kind of harkens back to the, the anticlimax of sending people away instead of trying to bring them light. Um, whereas like we, we have, we've read the prophets, we've seen the prophets, they've, and they've said of what, of what will happen when, Jerusalem comes back and they're brought back out of Israel and it's hard to, to see sending people away as a returning to Israel um, because each, each of these cycles starts off with such great hope of going back to Israel, rebuilding the temple, presence of God again, people of God, doing godly things and living in community with one another. And then we get refusals and sending away and declarations of other and like the people of Israel were always supposed to be a light to the nations. They're supposed to show all the other nations what they, what they should be like and how they should live. Um, and the, the, the sending away is a very real, like it's like, it's a very disappointing tension that we have to live in, but, and this is the Easter connection I'm making but each of these books serves to show um, that we're never going to reach that here on our own. Um, nothing that we can do will ever reach the glory that it, that will be reached when Christ comes again. Um, and there's there's this absence of hope. There's this there's this tension here because we're not the ones that are able to pay for our sin, and that was done by Jesus Christ on the cross, um, who who tore the curtain between the holiest of holies and the rest of the temple, who 
broke the temple and rebuilt it in three days when Jesus was, was resurrected. That is the good news of the gospel, that we can be one with our God and our King, and we can be at one with each other. And it's a very beautiful, beautiful thing that we don't have to do that ourselves, but that it has been done for us out of free will, submission, and love. Yeah. And all he asks is that we follow him. Yeah, I love it. I, my Bible notes that uh, in, a, I guess, a scroll of papyrus, in the Jewish settlement in Elephantine, Sanballat is governor of Samaria. So, you know, we have the conflict between, you know, the Jewish people and Samaritans, right? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you're getting at, Thomas. Uh, there's this conflict between these people, obviously, we see mm-hmm. it here. And to the point where Nehemiah is directly rebuking uh, these people against them and sending them, which is not, I think, how we view God's kingdom now. It's not so exclusive, Um, and that's because of Jesus. Um, And that's a good thing. Amen. Also, so this is kind of a a fun note. I didn't notice it until we read it just now. I don't think this is going to have any sort of like theological grounding, but I'm just throwing it out there. Verse 10, uh, when Sanballat and Tobiah heard, it says they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. Do you think that there is any Because I think the people of Israel, they knew the Messiah was probably sure the enemies of Israel knew the same thing. What if the enemies of Israel here looked at it and here comes a man to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. Could Mm. this be the Messiah? They would have seen it as a threat. Um, Mm. My has no notes on that anywhere that I see, but I don't know. Maybe there's something to that. (laughs) And they're just a little nervous all around that uh, Jerusalem rebuilt. Maybe something's happening. Maybe this nation's going to rise up. If that happens, it might be their Messiah, their king that comes to lead them, and we should watch out they're thinking um but a a a messianic connection for easter (laughs) yeah it could be i really like that it's an interesting thought um it is um yeah i've not read any commentary on on that on that verse specifically but that that makes sense to me and i can see the i can see the connection and that's very neat that you noticed that justin and i have um, i have idea if it has anything (laughs) if it's true at all no clue I think there's not yeah, enough information to truly know. <laughs> like but that. it is interesting for sure. Stand to reason why they feel so threatened. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. And it's also just like the people of Israel, because that is the Holy Land, the promised land of the people of Israel. But, you know, the Ammonites and the Haranites are, you know, the enemies of Israel. And like the Ammonites descended from Lot, and they're probably there's probably some animosity towards the, the promised land that they couldn't go into. Yeah. Um, just as far as that, which led to general cultural uh, conflict. But yeah, it's it's cool to think possibly that they may have seen him as a messianic figure, and then sought to be like, "You are not going to be a messiah." <laughs> Yeah. But yeah. 
but yeah, so good connections. Um, anyways, so do you have any, any closing thoughts left here? No, that was my last thought. All right. Well, yeah, a good chapter. Yeah, very good chapter. I think one more note just on the general structure of Nehemiah. Yeah, I have nothing There's kind to of add two as well. parts. Good stuff. <laughs> Thank you, P. Um, is the first half, like one through seven, is kind of it, it is its own little cycle. And then we have another cycle from eight through 12. And then 13 is, is the last chapter and the end of Nehemiah. But... Um, so yeah, just kind of keep the cycle in mind as, as we go out through through the rest of this book. But yeah, I'm excited to get through the rest of it. I think I think this is a really good book. I like it a little bit more than Ezra, personally. But they're both very good. And Ezra comes back in this book. We'll see that yes, in chapter we'll 8. Him again. <laughs> so we're not done with Ezra yet, even though we have finished Ezra. <laughs> um, all right. Pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for a wonderful day. Another beautiful Saturday where I'm able to record with Justin and Peter and we're just able to dive into your word and, and freely talk about it. Um, thank you for giving us this opportunity. Thank you for all of our listeners. Um, just, uh, yeah, thank you for, for this wonderful day. Um, it's, this is the day in between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday and so we're very much living in that today um, remembering your son's sacrifice for us and what he has done to allow us to, to be able to even pray to you right now Lord and be sure and confident that you, you are hearing us um, so we thank you for his sacrifice and we thank you for your word and allowing us to e- see Jesus even in Nehemiah, and even in uh, the Old Testament that was written way before he even came in to being. Um, So just thank you so much and allow us to have a wonderful day. And please bless our days, our weeks, and our nights. In Jesus' Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Justin, how can our listeners reach out to us? All right. Well, if you're listening, we would love to hear from you. We've got a couple main ways you can contact us. For you old-fashioned people, you can email us. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we have a Gmail account. It's threeinthefire at gmail.com. Uh, that's threeinthefire at gmail.com. If you send us a message, we will get back in touch. We love to hear from anyone that reaches out. You can also get in touch with us on Instagram. Um, we have an Instagram page, and that is at In the Fire Podcast. DMs are open. Um, we check that very regularly. We put up posts when new episodes are out. We'll put up little stories to interact with you, and uh, we'll respond to messages. So, you know, if you have any topics you want us to consider, uh, any questions for us at all, anything like that, feel free to get in touch and communicate. And while you're at it, um, find. Uh, like our podcast, follow it, give us that five-star rating. Anything else, keep it to yourself. Um, but we love the five-star rating. And uh, yeah, give us a follow <laughs> so you'll be updated when new episodes are out. And you can always rate us on more than one platform as well. Yes. <laughs> you can also throw, <laughs> throw some ratings on 
Apple Podcasts too, if you <laughs> if you so desire. <laughs> sure. Um, all right. Thank you guys so much for being in the fire with us. I'm I'm getting a little hot, and I think I'll I'll come back next week and and see where we're at. Me too. <laughs> Adios. See ya.